your glasses to the bottom and toast me on another year. Another year of hope, another year of holding on for you drinkers by day, you were bastards by dawn, and I hope I will see you soon. And I'll be home, come hell or high water, and I know I will see you soon. I got a bunch of questions, and if you think there's cool stuff that you want to tangent off on, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Are we live? All right, well, uh, welcome to episode 11 of the Cedar Rapids Music Scene Podcast. We are not in Cedar Rapids. We are outside of Lone Tree, Iowa at the gorgeous, beautiful Flat Black Studios. Luke Tweedy. Anybody ever heard of him? No, we are Cedar Rapids adjacent. <laughs> We're close, like forty-five minutes. In the out. scheme of things, like it's if close. you looked at a globe <laughs> and you looked at where we are compared to Cedar Rapids. Pretty much right there. We're like we're That's like if you're looking at a globe. Yeah, yeah, a globe. Of course, yes. Now, is it a flat flat Earth globe, or is this like the the bullshit what circular wanna... globe that they teach you in school? Well, I want to get into why I'm a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode eleven. We're going to talk about being a flat earther. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. Know, you. So I, I want to hear. Mike, I'm glad to see you. Glad You're to see you, such man. a good friend. I didn't even get I'm, to introduce you. People don't even know who you are. Oh, that's okay. That they won't. They won't even know. But, <laughs> but before we get, I want to hear your questions. And before we get into that, I want to talk about for a second people that believe that the Earth is flat, <laughs> and just I, like so. So say you're talking to someone that believes that, try to disprove them, and then you realize how dumb you sound, or like you <laughs> realize like kind of how hard it is. Assumptions. Like, so, so you be, like, I'm a flat earther, you be, you convince me that it's not true, Joel. Okay. Um, Joel Anderson. So people are saying that the earth is flat, and you're wearing this t-shirt that says, I'm a flat earther. So what I learned was that ships would go around and they would leave in one direction, and they would come back the other direction. No, nope, that's all just a conspiracy. Uh, that's what you were taught was not true. That's oh, all just wait, a conspiracy. Let me get my pen and paper here. Let me write yep. all this down. Conspiracy. So no matter, no matter <laughs> basically, no matter what you say, I could if I was a you dumb just, flat earther, I could come up with something that would make you question it. It's so dumb. It's amazing. But you got to be for real though. I think 80% of the people that say they're flat earthers are just trolling, right? That's probably true. It has That's to be. That's probably true. There is no way. But then there's like those couple of people that are like, no, it's real. Look at all my friends around yeah. the globe. Yeah, that look are at the, 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 no, the, flat on the globe. <laughs> look at all my friends flat on the globe. I prefer the, the, the meme that says if the earth was really flat, cats would have pushed everything off of it by now. See, I uh, like that. Uh, That's how you disprove somebody that's a flat earth. If it's a cat meme that's how yep. you disprove somebody so anyway i, I just I, it's ridiculous in this age where uh, facts and truth don't seem to matter uh, fake news bro anyway yeah well that was just a great intro to the music scene <laughs> podcast that we're t- it's so relatable to the cedar rapids music scene well in case you haven't figured it out i have uh william elliott whitmore of himself and currently, <laughs> currently, Middle Western and Hallways of Always, which is reunited. Yes. And I've got Joel Anderson, also known as Joel Angerson. That's right. Of 
the uh, the infamous ten grand the Vita Blue also Shadow, Shadow Government, correct? Yep. Any other notable projects in your? Well, they're all notable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everything I Torn do. Avalanche. Torn Avalanche. Um, yeah, I guess that's the last Torn notable Avalanche. one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm sessioning with Hallways of Always. Thank you to uh, to Luke and Jenny for having me out. Yeah. Yeah. So so the Hallways of Always thing um, is that's really cool that you brought that up. Here we are at Flat Black Studios, and uh, tomorrow yeah. we're going to be playing a set. Which will Mike. be the past by the time people listen to this, that correct? Is, that is true. Yes. Yep, Another that is true. conspiracy. There is no tomorrow. <laughs> it's one no long tomorrow. today. The sun leaves, the moon comes out, but it's still the same still day. The same Old day. man's son goes to bed, goes sleepy time. <laughs> Down on the flat earth. But no, but but so Mike Mike Schulte is playing drums with Hallways of Always nowadays. And our, our friend Joel Anderson is playing guitar with us, uh, along with my friend Brendan Spangler, who's uh, playing organ with Jenny Hoist and yes. I in this band. And it's going to be really fun because uh, we all live in, in different parts of the world. Yeah. So we, we don't get to play together. Um, as often as we'd like, but but I want to thank you, Mike, for being such a good sport. Heck yeah! For dear listeners, if you don't know, Mike uh, uh, is such a good sport. Like I'll, I'll text him two days before some <laughs> gig or some well, video shoot, and he's there. And, but uh, but let me, let, me be, let me be honest here. So the first let, for, let me let me explain why I brought you guys here. Uh, when I was when I moved to Iowa City in two thousand. I was playing in a band called Brian Jones, yep. and I'm like, oh, Gabe's Oasis is so cool. I want to get in the scene, and I want my band to be popular. And one day, I went to a show. This was like 2001, 2002, and um, the Vita Blue and William Elliott Whitmore shared the stage that evening, and sounds, I sounds I absolutely had my mind blown by, by what happened that night. I mean, I was watching you guys, and from that moment on, I was totally hooked. I idolized you guys and I wanted my band to be as successful as you guys were. And what's really funny about it is I, I didn't really get to know you guys that well. Like we, we played a couple shows at one time we hung out at the, uh, the uh, rest stop or the truck I eighty truck stop after playing at the botanical gardens one night with you yeah it, oh. yeah and that was to you guys you're like oh just these guys to us we're like we just we were just hanging out in a truck stop with ten grand it was amazing you know <laughs> so like you guys were straight up my idols and what's really cool is one day William Elliot Whitmore says. Um, Hey, Mike, I don't know if you ever heard of me before, but I heard you're a nice drummer, and I really need a drummer to come tomorrow. Are you busy? I looked at my schedule, and I was really busy. But my <laughs> response was, nope, got nothing going on. Because, <laughs> you know, like, that was an opportunity that I always dreamed of is to, like, play some music with you guys. So um, I just wanted to get that out of the way that uh, it's like I'm fanboy speaking with my idols right now, you know? And we're fanboys of you, Mike. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is it's this is all... where it all comes around because now I consider you such a good friend. Yeah. And you, you've been right in the trenches with us on so many sessions, and, yeah. and uh, we just filmed a video for Heck a song yeah, I did. got on a new album. I think I got mold in my lungs during that video <laughs> yeah. session, but I think I'm okay. We filmed in the old chicken coop <laughs> and got black mold in our lungs. It's all right. And you did it for no pay. But that and, that's uh, a, that's a lesson to any of you guys out there that if you want to get in with somebody and you want to be involved, like take every chance you can possibly get to join any band, get in with any artist, get in the studio. Uh, because I mean, it's been amazing. I appreciate you guys. And I want to know, I want to dive deep here though. I want to know from each of you guys, um, like what ultimately got you into playing music? Um, that, that's a good question. I like, I like that question because like all of us have just 
like most people probably, I've just been a, a fan of music since I was a little kid. I mean, some of my earliest memories are of my folks playing like Willie Nelson records and Ray Charles records and, and Charlie Pride records and stuff. And so those are some of my earliest memories is, is hearing that and and being affected by that, being affected by music in a way that I couldn't express at the time, being, you know, a really little kid. So, so it always hit me that way. And then as you get a little older and you start realizing that, you know, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could like, even at age 10 or whatever, if you're banging on pots and pans or, or just for me, it was singing. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I like to sing along with these records and I'm going to sing along with this Merle Haggard record or, or freaking, uh, whatever pearl jam or whatever it is like, <laughs> and so you're singing along and, and you start to realize like oh maybe i could people maybe that. start telling you oh wow you actually you're pretty good actually right yeah and you, you say that encourages you and my folks were always really encouraging yeah. and 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 really nurturing in that way so it starts like that it, it's probably very similar for you guys where you start getting into it and then uh, my grandpa played guitar my dad played guitar um, and so there, there was acoustic guitars around and then, so, you know, around age 11, 12, 13, started learning some chords on the guitar. And then you think, okay, here we go. I can actually, I can, I can strum along to this Hank Williams song and sing it, you know, once I knew some chords and stuff. So it kind of just happens slowly like that. There's not really like one moment. It's sort of the slow buildup. Yeah. Uh, and it and, and, and all it's of a sudden just the most magical music. thing in the world. Yeah, and, yeah, and then you, and anyone that plays music knows that feeling of then you start to think, oh, maybe I could do this. You get a taste for for that first live show all of a sudden. Yeah, like, and then, which you know, which at that point would be years oh, away. Yeah. But but just playing like for my family and, and somebody playing, actually paid along. attention and clapped, and you're like, geez. Yep. yep. And so yeah, I started to do that. Yeah. And then later on I started to have something to say, and so I started writing my own songs and that was in my late teens, and and um, then that that's a whole other yeah. uh, uh, milestone where you think, oh, maybe I could make up a song and and see how that goes. And of course, it's it's crummy and it sucks. <laughs> you like, think it's great, yeah, but you look back on it, you go, oh god, like, oh, no, this sucks. But like you ha- you have to do that to get to yeah. where you are later and stuff. So so in other words, it's this slow buildup that's hard to that's hard to quantify. It's not a moment. No, no, yeah. and, and and like any craft. Any craftsman, a woodworker or a painter or anything, like yeah. it takes a lot of years and a lot of um, hours to build up to it. But yeah, when, when you when you get that feeling, it's like this this is really <laughs> You're fun. Chase that forever, aren't you? So and, and so, I was always by myself doing that, and then I, I would start to play with my cousin. I had a cousin that played guitar. His name was Clay Foley. And then that then that's a whole new thing when it's someone else. Now okay, now you're playing with someone else. Now you're harmonizing. Now you're singing and playing with something else. So that was the first taste of that. And then, you know, whatever. Long story short, over the years, then you oh, then you play with a drummer. Yeah. Then you play with, and you're playing with other people. Then that's a whole other special thing that you don't get in your bedroom by yourself. Um, I think for me so- that was the first moment when you realize it's sort of like sports. When you realize that you guys, you can't operate without every person on the field. Like when you finally realize that you've got a group of people in this room that if one person does something wrong, it doesn't work. Right. But when there's that moment and all of a sudden, like everybody's in perfect sync and you're like, oh man, this is that's the moment that you go, yes. And and engines firing on all its cylinders. We're a machine at this point. Yeah. And you look around and. And and it's so nice, and so that's yeah. that, that's a whole other thing that you don't get by yourself in your bedroom. Yeah, and so again, like to talk about this this hallways of always thing we've been doing, 
um, it's just really fun to play music with your friends, and that that's that's the whole thing. How about you, Joe? How'd you get into it? Uh, I played trumpet in band in school. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, could you uh, still whip a trumpet out right now? I have one, and I want to. I want to give it to my. Don't whip your trumpet out. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, too late. Hold on. Uh, well, three, two, uh, one, go. <laughs> that's a trombone. Uh, it's a trombone. Uh, the valve stuck. Uh, my trumpet, but I still have it. And my parents, bless their hearts, found money where they didn't have it and got me into music. And growing up, my dad had a lot of Beatles records and Queen, and so I would listen to a lot of his stuff. Um, and then uh, kind of actually it's funny you bring up sports because it was kind of a dual thing for me growing up as I, I played baseball and basketball and I really was into music. And I remember the last day of school in seventh grade, I went to service merchandise and bought one of those guitars with like the one watt amp like in the guitar. <laughs> you put a nine volt battery in and I played that for a whole summer and I played Rastan on uh, the eight bit Sega uh, and listen to uh, Sega was more than 8-bit, right? Yeah, well, it was Maybe. before the Genesis oh, Okay, right? okay, of course uh, and, and this is in Cedar Falls Actually, that was because we moved around a lot when I was growing up uh, So I would have been in, in outside of Indianapolis Oh, uh, gosh and, and listened to a lot of uh, the album Time's Up by Living Color Nice um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel very fortunate that there was a period at that point where I was in a on a traveling baseball team and the, the guys on that team said a lot of stuff that I didn't like or agree with. And I, I wasn't confident enough to say that they shouldn't talk about that right. stuff. It just kind of sucked for me. And around that time, along comes Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. Oh yeah. And that opened a lot of doors in the respect where I felt like you didn't have to be Steve Vai or Eddie Van Halen or a lot of the stuff I was because I was into guitar magazines, yeah. I, you know, eating all that up, learning how to play all this stuff. And here along comes this thing that's not a pristine by any means and very uh, emotional and very guttural and it didn't have a lot of sheen to it. And that's exactly where I was at. <laughs> and also it spoke to me in the way that I, I saw it as more opening and inviting as opposed to homophobic or racist right, or right. sexist. So I stopped hanging out with the baseball guys and started hanging out with more music guys. And then it was a lot of, uh, I think Will and I have talked about this before, but magazines like Guitar World and Thrasher being a little bit isolated, but you, any interview or any review of like, here's this band Fugazi or the Jesus Lizard or Dinosaur Jr., you just start diving into what other bands are that you're into are talking about. And then learning those songs, which are, way more simple than a lot of the more complicated stuff that I was listening to initially. Did, did you find that um, growing up in a rural setting-ish, like that finding out about a band like Nirvana here and like the Bleach album, <laughs> then did, like you're saying, like working backwards from mm -hmm. that, like, yeah. I, like I didn't know until later about like, uh, like the Minutemen right. and um, Minor Threat and even like The Clash. I mean, they, the Clash, there was like radio hits, uh, you know, Rock the Casbah on the radio and stuff. But like, 
So working backwards from like, like, oh, this like Nirvana, this Bleach album. Oh, what are they listening to? Yeah. Okay, the Melvins, Flipper. Right. Uh, the stuff that was never going to make it. No, that I never would have no. known about other than he mentioned it in an mm-hmm. in interview. Oh, yeah, so I wondered if you, if, you had, yeah. if you guys had the same thing where you sort of work backwards from that and go, oh, I, I never would have heard of this stuff otherwise. You find those labels, record labels that were safe to you where you feel like, okay, well I've heard three albums on touch and go or SST or Matador. And I feel safe to just roll my, roll the dice with my paper money, my paper yep. route money and see what in you're, you're wrong about it. Maybe every third or fourth record, like, okay, this isn't exactly what I'm into, but I was hip to this stuff. And then we moved back to Iowa. Uh, when I started my freshman year of high school and that's when I started taking the worst fake ID in the world and going to Gage <laughs> yep. and seeing Girls Against Boys and the Jesus Lizard and seeing the Melvins. Just and having your mind Silo. blown, basically, right? And I was very, very fortunate that kids and a, an older generation of people in Cedar Falls started doing shows. Yeah. And that was where I was really exposed to, okay, this band's going to come through. I've never heard You've of never them. You've never heard of them. They're called Avail. They're from Richmond, Virginia. Okay, I had no idea something like this existed and it's inspired me to want to be better and do what they do. I want to get Start a in a van yeah. and go play to 10 kids. Well, don't you think that's how it is? I mean, you, you, you get to that point and you start seeing that like people, Oh man, they started a band, they cut a record. Now they're going to go play shows for everybody else. And it, things have changed. And that's why I kind of want you to tell me about the old, the Iowa city scene. Cause I look, I look back at the Iowa city scene from 98 to 2003 as like man that was the best and i feel like everybody probably looks back on their like as a peak scene but i mean like tell me about tell me about how that scene was in iowa city at that point when you guys were probably just meeting really right yeah so i i feel like we met it would have been about 98 um God, 20 years ago. That's crazy. Was on, yeah. Nobody was do the math. East Washington Street in front of That's for Entertainment video. <laughs> Wait, what is there? You've There's video rental places? <laughs> yeah, what does that once mean? Once upon a time, <laughs> follow me in my time machine. But I, yeah, I remember just being at the same parties and people through people. Because that's Iowa City is and was such a great hub where all the weirdos yeah. from other towns come. Because you're like, yeah. oh, because I remember traveling there. Uh, being younger, and then like, oh hell yeah, I'm moving to Iowa City. It was uh, there was no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah I all. basically wanted the college experience without all that college, <laughs> without <laughs> the I, learning I, I, and I, stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I was learning in a different way. Yes, like, exactly. Like, coming straight from the farm and going, okay, Iowa City was always the nearest place yeah. where you could come see a show. You could come see the Jesus Lizard. Yeah. Come see the cows or whatever, and these in these crazy bands, and so. Yeah, exactly. Plugging yourself into a scene and, and, and starting to meet people. Yeah, exactly. And through the most organic way possible, just, yeah, being at the same shows, being at the same parties and uh, meeting like-minded folks. It's the same way people have been doing things forever. Yeah. Um, but it was such an exciting time. And, uh, and I was you know, doing like my country thing, doing like a hillbilly thing, although I wanted to be in a punk band so bad. I, I was trying to start these different like... I was in a, uh, we had a band called Lost Cause for a minute. There was a band called 20 Minutes. Um, but I, I wanted to play fast and I wanted to sound like Minor Threat so bad. Is because I, I had, I had 20 year old, I was 20 years old and I had <laughs> energy that I just wanted to, I wanted to do that. 
and it was really fun. But with, with those bands, I just never made it out of the basement with any of them. You just and, couldn't and find it, the right people, maybe? Well, or? No, it was it was like good people, and, and it, it just, was fine. It, it just wasn't. I was like, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to it. be doing. And so I kind of was like, no, do do your do the do your hillbilly thing, man. Like like that was my 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 heart and soul anyway. It was like. You it's play the you banjo, play the guitar. It felt real, right? I, I mean, leave the other stuff to the experts, like meeting people like Joel and like yeah. other people that are like doing like harder rock based music, doing it really well. And like, oh, I, I should stay in my own lane and do my own thing. But there's no reason why I can't play the banjo on a, on the same bill with some rock well, band. It was when like bands would, you switched it up. There was a, a show would be a, a there was a lot of different con- but kinds was, of music. But that was that was super weird for me. The first time I ever saw you, there was two hardcore bands on this bill at Gabe's, right? And this crowd is just bubbling. It's just ah, ah, ah. and then everybody's there to see Ten Grand. Ten Grand's gonna be this this big band at the end. But before, like, they get up there, Joel's up there, Bob, Zach, they're all everybody's tuning their instruments. They go, okay, cool, we're good. Sound check. You guys walked off stage, and up walks Will Whitmore with a fucking banjo in this place that is just ah, like bubbling up, and like you just played just your voice no your opening song was probably that acapella song that you did um you used uh, to do like cold and dead yeah um, and that was like your opening song was an acapella song and and i thought i'm sitting here going i love this but is everybody else gonna love this and sure enough it was that you get done with your song it was the two second silence Rah, yeah this is so good i mean it was amazing to think that you did you ever get nervous to say, cause then I think you went on tour with 10 grand where you'd go a lot of these places to these people expecting hardcore shows, hardcore bands, but then you'd get up there with a banjo. Like, was it always well received? It, I mean, I've, I'm so lucky that I got to do that stuff with, with Joel and, and yeah, Vita blue who yeah. later became 10 yeah. grand. Um, I mean that really like, that's how we cut our teeth is doing those tours. And like, we went to Europe together. We would do like black metal clubs in Germany, like <laughs> like black metal, like where they like spiked the other bands. You guys that, like, are basically spiked. Taylor Swift compared to their <laughs> yeah, bands, yeah. right? Yeah. And and but that showed me that like no, it's all just punk or you know whatever you want to call it. It's all just it's all just music, you know. And so I, I mean, there were definitely times when I was nervous. I'm like, how's this gonna go? How's this gonna go? And you just gotta just not care. Like if if anyone's listening to this and you're, and you're an, doing your thing and you're in your just bedroom cares, or whatever, right? just don't care. Just who cares? Do your thing. It's like like making a frequency. Like ring your bell and you ring it long enough, someone's gonna pay attention. Yeah. Who cares? Just do it. And and so I, I was lucky to have an environment in which to do that. Um, you know. N- the Iowa city scene, but also then taking it on the road and going, Oh, nothing can hurt us. Not that. That was the main thing was like, Oh, you're not going to die. Like, so say <laughs> someone says boo or whatever, like who cares? No, it doesn't right? kill you. Like you're not going to die. That's how you cut your teeth. And you, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about getting your 10,000 hours into something. You, you, you that's where 10,000 go hours to get, that's how you do it. And, and uh, it won't kill you if no. someone isn't into it or whatever, but that, but, but mostly, you know, people were pretty forgiving and, it did show me that, like, if you're a music fan, you're going to be probably more forgiving than people think. True, you're just you're just there to you're wherever you were in Germany was the same thing yeah. as what Iowa City was, where people were just going out to be like, I want to watch shows, I just want to see mm-hmm. music, right? So yeah, it was all about the genuine artifact. That's, yeah, that was was the beautiful thing for us is that 
we loved being around Will. I remember when Will was playing in 20 minutes, Will spent a winter in Lee County and I walk into the record collector one day and there's, what's the, William Elliott Whitmore is a CDR in a baggie <laughs> with some, it's supposed to look like weed, but it was like oh, oregano. oregano. Or right. So it's like that was Luke's idea. Yeah. He's like, you should make it look like a bag of weed. Yeah, which was brilliant. I still love it. And put the CD like, in a bag of weed and Will that didn't, wasn't real. He didn't sing in 20 minutes. So I didn't know the voice that lived inside right. him. And I brought it home. I checked it out. I was completely blown away. I was like, well, I want to share this with people. And I want someone to help Zach load his 8x10 Ampeg amp and not have it be me and have someone watch the merch, which, sorry, Will, you weren't very good at watching the merch. but um, I regret that. But to see a, a room full of the most jaded, skeptical It's the arm cross, the, the arm right. cross. You know, like that's how you watch shows back then yep. was this. The only audience that Will didn't reach were the ones that didn't turn around to watch. They were right. too busy talking about... right petty bullshit to turn around but when he would silence a crowd it's it's unbelievable right nothing nothing beats that and and that was so cool to observe and it happened from coast to coast overseas and i think it's just because he's a genuine person and the songs are great and he could have been rapping he could have been it just didn't playing matter. disco i mean it could have been any it, as long as it's a genuine article he wasn't trying to be anything other than who he is and the songs reflect that. So it's pretty easy to, I think those kids, they can smell a fraud. You can, right? you absolutely can. When someone's like, Hey, I'm from Look the country. Like as he's like, you know, taking off his polo shirt, you know, and like <laughs> it's double. Has anyone heard polo. of Johnny Cash? Like, Oh God. Oh God. You know, but like, I remember, uh, we played a show in Milton, Pennsylvania and Will had brought a jar of moonshine, and the moonshine spilled in his suitcase before, I think we had like one sip of it. And he gets up there and he's like, hey, I'm William Whitmore, I'm sorry to the people in the front row if I smell like moonshine, I spill moonshine all over my suitcase, and it wasn't an act. It no, like legitimately, truth. you're going to get drunk from smelling me. Right. <laughs> and it was uh, such a beautiful moment, and we were all fresh and young, and the world was ours to conquer and we were so inspired you know you talk about seeing us and being inspired and that's that's i love the the cyclical nature of that right where i saw bands that inspired me and i didn't i didn't know if anyone was going to give me the time of day or you know the fact that i influenced anyone one person made it all totally worth it it's, so you you talking about going to see Girls Against Boys, for instance, at Gabe's as a youngster. Then later, 10 Grand played shows with Girls Against Boys. And isn't like, that the most mind-blowing you know, like, thing yeah, of music? Like, so here you are. Now I'm on stage with you guys. Like That just occurred to me. We're like, <clears> now <throat> you're, you're sort of peers. Yeah. To, that's to what your I point, just Mike, said. Yeah. Of like, like, oh, now I'm peers what with these people. I play a show with to. these people. I was like, yeah, yeah I, wish, and, and I just want to talk like, to them. You know, yeah. and now it's like, and I can play a show with you. Bless their hearts for watching us. Yeah. That's... That's an amazing thing to experience, too, where I remember uh, at the Cedar Falls Boathouse, they used to do shows. You could rent it for 35 bucks with a $100 deposit until it flooded out. But <laughs> I saw the Warmers play there, which had uh, Alec Mackay, Ian Mackay's brother. And he sat and watched every single band. And, of course, in typical punk rock fashion, there were four bands to start with. And two bands showed up out of town from nowhere. And he sat through every band. And that made a large impression on me of like, okay... Whether I like it or not, I want to, every band that plays with with any band I'm in, I want to 
give them the time of day just yeah. out of respect. No that, matter, yeah. That's super important because I think people nowadays assume that I've started a band. Everyone should love me and, and I should get huge crowds. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's sort of maybe it's just a modern mindset or whatever. But I've noticed that people just they expect you to come to their shows, but they're not going to go to your shows. But the way that Iowa city scene, Cedar Rapids scene was back in the day, it's like you went to, if whether you were on the bill or not, you watched every band, you went to every show. And it's cause you were either going to learn something. You, you made friends. Yeah, like that. Like you're going to make some, friends. Some of my best friends are still from those yeah. days. Like think, you, you talk about the CR scene, my friend, our friend, Paul Carey, yeah. who's, mm-hmm. who's uh so we're at, we're at this gray area thing at flat black studios. You know, we're gonna see Paul Carey play. He was in a band called. They were called the Whores. Yeah. Then they were. Then they were. Then, Paul's mom didn't like that, so they were called the Horrors, <laughs> uh, which both great names. But like, remember going to watch the Whores play, and it, it blew me away. And here's yeah. he, these guys from CR. Yeah. Uh, High Community like Center, two, probably. <laughs> two, you know, two guitars at the. Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, any DIY space. Yeah, whatever. Seven like Eleven like East Davenport. Seven Eleven East Davenport. Beta Davenport. Potato House. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, it was two guitars, no bass. It was two guitars and drums, and it was the garagiest, coolest thing. Uh, a band called the Peepees. Yeah, there was a band called the Peepees that were great from CR. They were awesome. Uh, and Kel- there, there Kelly was Orange just, Hair. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly Orange Hair. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and it was just that's some CR stuff, and coming in with some Iowa City stuff. And we're, yeah. we're all just country kids. I mean. CR is a city and Iowa City is a city, but it's all we're all here in Iowa, all man. Generally like, the we're same. We're all in Iowa. Yeah. Like so, here we go, and and some of those friends are still some of my best friends, and so here we are at Gray Area. We're up, like we're gonna see Paul, you know, and I'm and doing this hallways of always thing. Like I'm gonna play with you guys and stuff, and so it, and that's been yeah 20 years ago yeah. since we since all that stuff Crazy. was, and so, so I you know I would just oh. say to anyone that's aspiring to do it just do it and uh, you already know this but just do it make friends go to shows like be open to stuff what? and that yeah go ahead well, and i thought i one thing about being in the iowa scene you know, i've i spent about a, a decade over a decade in chicago and you don't need any scene other than your own right you want to see punk rock you've got your places to go you want to see hip hop you got but iowa city was such a great melting pot because there was only enough bands to facilitate one one scene not one genre that included any weird arty yep. weird stuff yeah. like like possum tra- sack po- or- possum sack training mice and spiders yeah uh, the, the committee the, the or committee bad fathers you know yep, which, which was hip-hop there was a band called stuff uh which yeah. later or, uh, which later became island women yeah. but i always thought like oh that's our version of the cows or that's uh-huh. our version of like people that liked amphetamine reptile records right. Burmese, stuff like you know Burmese, all right like, everyone just, just hung out with each other and, and like, it, this is weird this stuff is so weird and yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah and the bills that would come from that were some really eclectic yeah amazing things to experience and i don't i don't know how many other places that happens and that's something i've always appreciated about the iowa iowa city cedar yeah. rapids cedar fall scene is that you know when you only have certain amount of people you can take that as a reason to be discouraged or you can embrace it yeah. fully and say okay well let's do a bill where paul does a solo set and then you know who's the greatest local mc at the moment and then will can finish it out or however you know yeah. 
the pork tornadoes have can fun. Blow, right, exactly. Let's just, all be who friends. Cares? Right. Yeah, Brian <laughs> well, Jones. I mean, yeah, I, like those days, man, were awesome. And I, did, I didn't, I didn't realize till years later that I did know you. Yeah. Or, well, or, and like or, I uh, want. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You. I mean, oh, I never, guy. I never knew you as well as I would have liked back then. Well, but like calling, calling you to like, hey, can you play on some of my records? Right. And like, oh, that's that dude from Brian Jones. But like, that, that was twenty years is, ago. I think what was uh, inspiring is to watch bands like, like, like Ten Grand Vita Blue, right? To watch them and then go, okay, I'm gonna start a band and I want the same response. And I think that was a lesson for me is to realize that like you can't, I, I, I was watching you guys just go on European tours and like selling out games. And I'm like, well, why can't, why well, isn't this We only did that once. You know, but no, but you know what I mean? Like you guys in my eyes, and that's why I brought you on here is I feel like you guys had one of the better success stories of any of those bands. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, well, why isn't this happening to me? Why can't, mm-hmm. why isn't my band achieving success and i wonder like i wonder if it's just because i was i wanted it so bad like for you guys i feel like you were just being honest and just going we're just going to play music and and if people love it they love it where maybe some of the bands i was in maybe we were forcing it a little too much the expectations going in for us were we wanted to do one seven inch and i had never gone out of town to play a show you're like man if we could play like one show right and we did a we put out a seven inch and we put did a spring break tour in 1998 or 99 and and it was it was beautiful i mean you know you play at the fireside in chicago for 12 people and you make eight great friends and you go to the replay lounge in lawrence and you play you sell a couple t-shirts it's friday so 40 people are in unbelievable right and and then there's a couple bum shows you know or or great ones but you just I, i think a huge part of it was just that we were best buddies you know we would get off tour We'd be like, all right, well, I guess I'm sick of you guys. And then the next day, you're just like, hey, I'm what supposed are you doing? to be like, sick of you. That night, like, yeah. you want to just go drinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we go to the Chinese buffet and then go to Gabe's? You know, and it's like, we just wanted to be together. And I do, you can tell really quickly when a band is not right. friends. And, Very quickly. And they, some of the, some of those bands can be great because individually they're so good, but the vibe, or the overall aesthetic is so much more pleasing when you see guys smiling at each other. Legitimately having Right. Fun. You know, the our rhythm section of Zach and Bob is like a comedy duo, <laughs> you know, and we never that's the other thing. We played <clears throat> with so many bands that it was such a serious thing, and I wanted and do respect the seriousness of what they were doing, but that was never no. our vibe. You guys were the first band I ever knew to have like Funny song titles, yeah. Like, I actually here, I feel one. like they started this. Funny uh, song I, think Don, I think Don Cab set the mark, and we kind That's, of yeah. Don Caballero had some. What one of one of my favorite song titles of you guys was "Never Go Camp." No, no, no. Sorry. Wait, never let your girlfriend go camping with that guy she met in potter, pottery class. Dot dot dot. Seriously, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> which was an onion headline, um, but. You know, anytime it was it was a deal where we would the way we wrote songs was no one ever came in with a riff. It would just like we plugged in, we caught up with what everyone was up to, started playing, and then we would take turns. Like Bob, you get to name the next one. Matt, you get to name the next one. And then so and it, it added some levity to the scene where at that time it was pretty much just there's a skull on your t-shirt, <laughs> and believe me, I have we. We played with millions of bands like that, and I loved like Song of Zarathustra, The Crimson Curse, Festival of Dead Deer, like uh, uh, The Faint, 
or you know, mm-hmm. they, like the Omaha kids. It was the same, like, same band, and, but, but same it was, shirt, and I loved same all logo. those bands. But you guys were like, let's it's have a shirt with like, there's a drawing of a hot dog, <laughs> and, it, and you just brought some levity to it. it but, just, but they, you didn't, guys they didn't care. They didn't take it yeah. seriously. And you went you up know? and slayed though. Like the proof was in the pudding. That, that's you what it was. You went up and slayed, and it was like. Oh, you're not kidding! Like when it comes to the music, like you're not fooling around. It's not a joke. Well, and but there and was levity to it. The comprehensive list of every everyone who has ever done anything wrong to us was the name of of that first ten grand album. I Second think it was one, yeah. Second one, yep. and in between every song, you had a computerized voice name off people mm-hmm. that have done things and wrong. Those to names you. are legit. <laughs> those are not made up names. That I mean, that to me was. I'm, I'm sitting here going, "This is incredible." This, why didn't I think of this? Well, it's it was. My uncle actually that fucker from Gabe's. My Pop. my <laughs> uncle actually like kept a list of like I don't know if he still does. Uh, but You're going on the list. <laughs> yeah, right. It was it was a deal. It's just like oh, I told the guys about like, and that's one of those things where you plant the seed just through friendly conversation. Things would come up that we're like, oh, let's use that as part of the overall yeah. aesthetic of the band. Um, and again, going back to like all the. You know, there's a lot of like straight edge veganism, all that stuff, which I again I really respected. But we were the guys that came through, like, all right, well, that's not what we're into. We respect it. Well, whatever the rules of your house are, whatever the rules of your basement show are, we'll we'll deal. But but we're gonna drink a dirty thirty in, in the, the van, van. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to McDonald's after this, you know. And yeah, but who just, cared? Nobody cared, right? right? And you know, all all respect to those those folks that that did it then and you know a lot of those bands were our you know i think of a band like seven days of samsara that you know dave his deal was like this is what this song's about this is what it's called you know let's let's be together or let's let's battle this let's combat this yeah really positive right and and that's that's all fine and good that just wasn't our it wasn't you guys yeah well so you you touched on something i think is super true you said you said all you really wanted to do was form a band with guys you liked and record an album and play an out of town show yeah. so at that point did you feel like you made it or did you then go okay well then what if we play a couple shows out of town or what if we try to go out of state now what if we try to go out of country now like yeah, when- everything else on top of that's gravy then yes. you're like yeah, right. oh we did that oh well you know what we could do another seven inch and another tour right. or do a full length you know speaking Let's for go you back guys to like, that one town oh we could keep doing this yeah. and and but if you set your goals, set these like attainable goals yeah. and just be satisfied and just keep going. like to go like, Oh, you know what? We could do more of this. Like, and, and, uh, we have friends like our, our friend, Brendan that plays in hallways of always with us, uh, who's from Memphis. Speaking of different scenes in different towns, like this is, you know, you know, talking about CR and, and Iowa city scene and stuff. Like we would travel around to these different scenes, and that was enlightening to see. Like, oh, the Lawrence, like Lawrence, Kansas. Oh man, that was they crazy back then, wasn't and it? And they're like mm-hmm. Lawrence scene, proud and tall. Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on some of the other names. Any what? band with Sean Bergman in it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and these just became our friends. Or you go to to Columbus, Ohio, like Twin they, Cities. They've like, got their yes. scene. Yeah, and, and every town has a like. Here's how we do it in Akron. In Akron, Ohio, here's our scene. And, and I was like, oh, that's refreshing too. Like, And so like our friend Brendan that is from Memphis, he he speaks lovingly about the Memphis scene, which I mean, gosh, is like, it's a bigger city and and, uh, and stuff and then has gone through so much rock and roll history and gosh, rap history and, and everything else. But he talks lovingly about that scene 
too. And then, you know, uh, and how, you know, you just had amps, you had amps in your living room, you know, <laughs> right. and then you just, people are set up to play music and, and, but moving to Iowa and, and Brandon saying like, you know, but it's, it's the same kind of spirit here. And uh, I feel like that can be achieved in a lot of different towns. Yeah. It could be Bakersfield, California. Right. It could be whatever. corn. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> so that's refreshing. That's like when you pull the lens back and go like, Oh, it's it, kind it, of the same everywhere. It, just it, it a little be different. Cool. Right? Yeah. And, and, and different. And everyone should take pride in their scene yeah. and then, and link up with other scenes. Like that's how we'd get shows. Like you guys, this was the advent of freaking email and stuff. MySpace, I mean, right? I mean, that well, was before that. Like, no, way before that. It was a uh, maximum is, rock and roll book your own fucking yeah, life. 1999. Oh yeah. This is book way before social yep. media. This was like, an email seemed fancy. It was like, ooh, whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> you got kind of, right? And it was yeah. like, but you you and Matt would like, I don't know, we got a hold of this guy in Lawrence. He said, if we do a show there, and we'll, do the we'll show let trades, him do a right? show yeah. here, yeah. and you'd trade. Don't you think that being from Iowa City, like we'd go, we'd get beyond the coast, the West Coast, and somebody say, where are you from? We say, Iowa City. They'd be like, Gabe's, Iowa City, Gabe's. Yeah. Like, I almost We're feel like it's right out in the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about it's Interstate right 80. Like, it's yeah. between Chicago and Omaha. And I almost feel like that was an advantage for bands from our areas to be like, well, let us come play in Bakersfield. We'll let you come play at Gabe's in Iowa City. Mm. And people go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was amazing, yeah, having that place in its heyday. So you'd, 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 you'd trade shows back and forth and, and keep in contact and... Yeah, you meet those kindred spirits where you, you go to a town you've never been or maybe you know a few people. You you put your flag up. You see who's, if anyone salutes it. <laughs> and if they do, then you meet the meet these friends. You know, like uh, Aaron Mader from Plastic Constellations. Him and his kids just spent the weekend with us last weekend. From and I've known Doom Tree. From Doom Tree, Laser Tree. Week, you know, and it's... I'm not trying to name drop, but <laughs> but I am trying to name week. drop. Um, oh, and God. Just hanging out. And that's, that's a relationship that I would have never... You could have, years. you would have never met each other no. ever in a million years. And, and he, be, being younger, uh, grew up in a similar fashion, and we happened to meet them at the right time and took them under our wings because the Plastic Constellations are still they're still like, one like of the most top notch bands. Yeah. They're like sixteen right. years old, yeah. going, "How are you Just doing this? How are you doing this? Like, I want to take you on songs. tour because I want to see you play every single <laughs> right. night." And it's such a beautiful thing that continues. And he's another guy a lot like Will. I've seen him diverge on a similar path where they're still at it and they've learned how to do it with what makes their life enjoyable and work. And I'm so proud to have known them 20 years ago and to see the men they've become right. and the artists they've become. And it's a beautiful thing. And what we've learned from those years of touring, you don't forget that shit. It stays with you, and it changes your entire life, mm -hmm. how you structure your life. I feel bad for people that have never experienced that, right? Yeah. Gotten in the van the next morning and just like, where are we going today? Oh, we're going to Rome, Georgia. No like, cell okay. phones. <laughs> yeah. Nobody had no internet, no cell phones. Yeah. Just, oh, well, here was, we go. There was one track phone in the van. It was Bob had like a the equivalent of a track phone. Uh -huh. Like it was a cellular like Zach cell phone, Morris. I guess. For emergencies only. Yeah. Like, uh, I think his folks were worried about us, and they're like, you need to have some kind of portable Just phone. Just in case. <laughs> Je yeah, and... and for Matt to call his girlfriend on, sometimes <laughs> or but it just seemed like what? I, I don't think I touched that thing once. I mean, there wasn't. But yeah. for an emergency, if you break down, you could have it. It's crazy yeah, how, yeah, how anyway, times have changed, right? No, Technology. It, 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 it's so silly to be back before the We're, internet. Was stuff, it but, it, but it really was. It really it was, was a paradigm the shift. 
like before electricity and then after electricity, before the internet, after the internet. Like it's a sea change that that's that's very true. That, that is true. Like um, anyway, I so, do, so well, I think about how gas was a oh, dollar. 60 remember when it hit like even like what hit a dollar and you're like oh it's going over a dollar i mean it was affordable for bands to tour right right we we could live on the 25 dollars from the door because only five kids paid because we didn't have we didn't need that much money to get to the next town um and i am forever grateful with being around in that that stretch of time where it enabled us to go further and do more than i think we could today. Yeah, man. I, to bring it around to today, like, I, not to put anyone on the spot, but like, there's so many bands that are playing right now in this scene that are so good that I, I wish I knew more of them. I mean, like, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of like, who are the bands right now in our little scene? So, here, you know, like I've said before, here we are at Gray Area, Flat Black Studios. You know, I'm thinking of like people like Karen Meat. Karen Meat, Dana T, you know, Paul Carey, who plays with Brendan Spangler. Like, um, what what are the bands? Like, what uh, you you're just you like know, the, the, the Pork Tornadoes. I mean, Mike's band. Uh, Mike is in a like fifty other bands. I know but doing <laughs> not so much. You know, I've I've given up on all the other bands. I'm I'm full in. Well, on you're the in hallways of all. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I just think like right now. There's tons of great. There's stuff so going many on great right bands this minute. I just and I wish I knew more of them. Do you feel like it's just because we're older that we just are not as plugged into knowing all these bands, or do you think it's just different that you just aren't able with? I've heard theories about there's so much information at your fingertips. There's never been more bands and never been more music, but it's almost like there's too much because you're you know like you go into a bar and they're like we have 200 beers on tap and you just kind of uh-huh. you kind of revert I, I back wish, and you go I I'll take a Miller Lite. Beers on tap. Yeah, exactly. Like I wish I could choose between a small amount of bands versus yeah. I spend more time on Netflix combing through than actually than watching. Actually watching. Yeah, things. I think that's there's good... too much out there to yeah. where there's not a real way to like. But 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 the cream rises to the top yeah. as it's always been. Like like I feel like that. There's always been a lot of bands, but the cream rises to the top. And and so I feel lucky to have this this studio here because uh, I do get to kind of see like what are the new what are some bands that are that are new now that are playing. And um, there's a ton of them, there's and it's so awesome. Many. And They're it's, all going to really, be here this it's weekend. Really like reassuring. Yeah. And uh, it makes me like feel good that the whole cycle is like continuing. Uh, as it ever has been and as it ever shall be. Well, well, I got a question for you. When did you, I mean, it's, it's different. I brought you guys on cause you bring different aspects of this, but, um, you know, like Joel, you're not playing as much anymore. You know, you're, you've, you're the band, the band fell apart a little bit there, but, um, but like, Will, when did you decide that like, okay, I can, I can make this a career and I can, I can make money and make a life off of playing music. Yeah. So after like touring with 10 grand, and through forces that no one could control, that band wasn't able to play anymore. And thanks to those guys, I had an infrastructure in which I could um, keep playing. I mean, I got a record deal because of you guys like playing in Chicago at Fireside Bowl with uh, 10 Grand. And the people from Southern Records, Danielle from Southern was there. And she's like, yeah, let's sign you up, you know? And, and that's I, like the moment, right? That you've dreamed about, like yeah. somebody signed you to a record label, and, right? And she's like, come, come by the office and we'll talk about it. And like, Oh my God, this like, yes, let's, let's do that. So because of, because of what they did, um, 
and then yeah, I mean, our, so our friend Matt that was in the band, he passed away, and there was nothing anyone could control or anything. And um, but at that time, I was like, I, I gotta keep, I gotta, gotta keep doing this. I, this, pushing, is, right? this is all I have. I mean, this is this is what I gotta do. At least try it, right? Like at least keep going and see how far you can get. Right? Yeah, and and being a being a one man band, it's a lot easier yeah. to make it work. I can just get in a car and drive wherever. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how bands do it. It's if you're an right. up and coming band that's trying to make it work, I don't, you know, I don't know how bands do well, it. Well, like, Joel even talked about this a little earlier. Like, you know, even even though Matt passed away, like you guys were arcing, like you were you were hitting this peak that we didn't know what it was. But you, if Matt had not passed away, you still don't know if you guys would have continued, right? I mean, there was yeah. there's so many guys involved that you just, and how do you replace like? a Bob Adams or a Matt Davis or, you know, like there was no replacing any member of that band. The day he died, we all got together and kind of assembled at the house we were living on in church on church street in Iowa city. And there was never someone saying, well, what, you know, it was just like, well, not only, I mean, all of this is, is, is over and let's just grieve together. And that, that wasn't so simple because he had touched so many people people had a lot of questions for the three of us and right. and Will and Luke and all of the people close to him. Yeah. And they were distraught. And that was a hard year, two years, the rest of my life, because people wanted to confide in me how sad they were. And I'm sitting there like, I haven't been I'm to sad too. <laughs> in six months, dude. I just want to sit and try to be somewhat normal again. And I can't be your therapist. Shouldn't I be the one? Yeah, you <laughs> should be helping me. In front of you? And it just, it was what it was. And I did have a lot of, a lot of people like, I, what can I do? So we set up a ton of shows. He passed away on August 10th and on his birth, what would have been his birthday on December 16th. I had a lot of people in different towns around the world do shows, do benefits. I remember that. And that we, was awesome. we sent that all to his folks. And that was a good way for people to use their energy, their punk rock energy to do something <laughs> and feel good about a bad thing. And I had made all these contacts. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of times, the last year, we put all our stuff at our parents' house or in storage, and we just were on the road. And Will was with us for 90% of that. He didn't come to Florida, and I don't blame him. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I had all these contacts, and a lot of people after the shows would be like, hey, when can you guys come through again? And we would be like, all right, well, it's September. We're booking for March. We'll be back through March. And so we had all these people that – and they would also say – what about banjo guy? And a lot of times people wouldn't even <laughs> ask guy. when we were coming back, they'd be like, Hey, is banjo guy coming back? Cause that's the beautiful <laughs> thing about Will and going back to how he could really put a crowd on their ass. Cause they were not expecting yeah. someone to do that and blow them away the way he did. I, I would love to sit at the merch table because Will wouldn't do it. And people would be like, <laughs> people would buy his record because they're like, I'm going to share this with my grandfather or, you know, I there, share there this was with sort of that, his music, cultures were meeting his in the music middle is almost, not right? For pissed off kids, it was for everybody. Yeah. It's universal. And that was such a beautiful thing. I was like, we wanted to share him with everyone because we knew that it would resonate with yeah. everybody. And that's where I could put some of my grief and some of my energy into trying to help him further what he was doing. 
So I can't even remember what kind of car you had. The gray <laughs> sedan. What was that? Yeah. So you had this notebook full of contacts or like a computer file or whatever, but I think it might've been a real notebook yeah. of just like, here's the cities where we go. Here's the emails of the people. And the uh, for, for a long time, I had, I had a Buick Century. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was, that was that transition to like, I got to, if we, will you book me using your old 10 grand contacts? Yeah. <laughs> and you'd already and then, laid the groundwork for and, that. And like had a record, you're like, okay, my first record by then, 2003. And, um, and so you hogwash booking, you called it. I remember. <laughs> yep. oh, and you would yeah. just, you would book me like a month long tour of like basically where we had played before with 10 grand. So I would back to the same houses, the same basements, the same VFW halls, whatever. And that's how it started. It and it bigger really, and bigger it, crowds in each city. And, and it really started to pick up from there. Well, uh, you, but but it, that was that was that weird transition after Matt died. That uh, was like, well, like let's throw ourselves into this new thing, which I thank you for. Because uh, it's like I gotta, you know, we'll just keep trying to do well, that's, this. That's know? the true testament to Joel, though. Is like, okay, my band is done, so fuck everybody else. Like, no, that was not. It was just like, well, okay, if I'm not going to keep playing, like I want to take my resources and put it into other people and help them out. And I think you, you just had all these contacts that we'd made through made the hard way. You were su- you, one of the things I did learn from you guys. And I'm, I'm looking at it now that I know you a little better. I'm assuming it was you 10 grand Vita blue seemed very organized. <laughs> like when, when you guys did call it quits after Matt died, you put out that here's every single show we've ever played on this date, where it was, what well, bands played with us. That was actually Matt. Matt was it really? Because yep. you and him were sort of the, the like the bookers, the, yeah. the ones that everyone tag had, team. Everyone had their job. Like, their roles. Bob was the internet guy. He could do a website. <laughs> and Matt and I split the booking. And Matt logged all the shows. And Zach was there for... Moral support and humor, <laughs> comedic, <laughs> and he's also strictly comedy. He was also the strongest guy. He's the strongest guy. He's strongest the muscle guy. man. But seriously, you need that. I'm, you know, like Dude, such Joel, a great bass player. Yeah. Well, yes. that's one of the things I've been preaching for a long time. Is that at some point you have to divide your roles up yeah. when you're in a band. You have like you can't just have two different people answering emails whenever they see them. Like you just got to be like you're strictly the marketing guy, you're strictly the booking guy, you're strictly the advancing and the arrangement guy. Like I mean you you have to do that mm-hmm. at some point. And it's it's nice to hear that was true even back then mm-hmm. for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was it it made things it streamlined things when you're doing 200 shows in a year. You know, and like you got to be a machine at that point, right? Yeah, Bob did the layout for all the artwork, and you know, things where you're like, I don't have a strength here. Can someone else help with Pick this? Pick me up over here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it it worked. You know, when it worked, it worked, and um, and that was it was a beautiful thing to behold in hindsight. You know, when you're in the thick of yeah, it, yeah, it's just know? happening. It's but just like, oh god, I do not want to be the guy to set up a a website. You know, um, I feel like it's a little easier now because you can just everyone. There's not websites, right? It's just yeah. you have a Facebook page yeah, or you have yeah, an Instagram exactly. account. And I want to take a minute to talk about Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace well, that's a great gives job done laying out my Lisa mattress. Yeah, my, my Casper mattress. Uh. <laughs> Listen, stamps.com. Uh, mail, mail crimp? Mail, <laughs> mail crimp. But yeah, so for like any aspiring band now... That's what I would say. It's yeah. just like, yeah, you find your strengths, you find your deal, and gosh, it's it's easier than ever now to probably book a tour for yourself. I mean, I imagine. 
it's I feel like it's easier than ever, but also probably harder than ever. Yeah, you know, in, in different ways. Killer, you still gotta be good. You at still music. gotta be good at and that is the ultimate okay, maybe thing. Maybe booking's easier, but like does your you still have to have people and that's going back to that. Like, I mean, I, I, I loved Brian Jones and we did some really cool stuff, but like ultimately looking back, I know like we just weren't right where we needed it. We, we weren't good enough to, to get what you guys got. Back uh, then, you I, don't know? Th- I don't think it's true. I don't think it's not like being good enough or anything. But it's like, just we like, did everything. We did everything right. And we did tours and you know, awesome. And, I don't, I don't but, but you're right. Like what does make, you can't one just hit and one not. Well, and, and I guess that's what I'm getting at is, you know, life's not fair. We're not like in a, everyone can get what they want. Like you can be anything you want when you grow up. It's like, it's, that's not really true. Right. I mean, if I, if I started a, a solo acoustic guitar banjo project the same day you did like that, I wasn't guaranteed to have your success, you know, it's, it's, Either what's, c- what's your threshold for discouragement? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, where are you? And how like, do you define success? Exactly. Right. When, are, when do you say like, well, this sucks. I'm done. Or do you just go, I just like doing this. I just I'm like doing it forever. Right? Like whether people like it or not. Yeah. I saw three kids out of the 12 kids and they were so into it and they were so happy that we came to their town why don't why don't we go back and maybe there'll be fifteen maybe, next yeah, time, right? Or there'll be eighteen. Or then there's also just uh, I don't play golf, but people tell me that you play golf because out of every one hundred swings, if you have one or two that feels so good and so pure, I think that's you pretty keep similar. Doing it, and that's where you play the Rome Georges, or you play like our our success in Austin, Texas was was bad. We had tons of bad luck in Austin, but for every bad show in Austin there was like Spokane Washington where we just ended up in some kid's garage and you open the door and there's 80 kids yeah, in there and they're that are so hungry it. for music and yeah. that's that's talking about CR I always felt uh disappointed that we didn't tap into whatever whether it was Wash or Jefferson or whatever group of kids that were doing shows we never lined up with them. yeah and Cedar Falls was a great place where I saw so many great bands there, and Green Day has played in Cedar Falls, and Black Flag played in Cedar Falls, and I did. I saw, you know, there were a few good shows in Cedar Rapids, but I never felt like we ended up. I don't know what, what your experience has been there, but you know, I, f- I feel like w- there was a missed opportunity, and, and it wasn't anything in particular. It was not Cedar Fall, yeah. or Cedar Rapids's fault. It wasn't Ten Grand's fault. It was just the math of the universe just didn't line yeah. up for us there. So that's why you keep trying. There's not a hundred percent success rate, no matter what. You're never going to get that. So, what do you think? I mean, last question. We tend to keep these about an hour. We've been talking for an hour. I could talk forever to you guys, but uh, last question I'm going to ask you is: Looking back on your entire music career, what is one thing, maybe either that you learned that that'll stick with you for the rest of your life, or maybe that you would do different if you could go back on it, or both? <laughs> that's a great question. One thing that everyone should learn is just to work hard. Uh, treat it like a job. And I, I, I remember attacking it early on like that. Like, you know, think of, think of your jobs you had growing up, whether it was flipping burgers or whatever it might have been. For me, it was like bailing hay, like down in Lee County. Like you'd, you'd bale hay and, or you'd detassel corn. You know, maybe an Iowa kid would would definitely understand like detasseling corn, whatever. 
and those were your jobs and you go at them and you do it the best way you can. Like I definitely flipped burgers. Uh, I used to work at a bird farm where they, they bred uh, pheasants and quail and things. And, and I attacked that with fervor. Um, so when it came to music, like, okay, attack that with the same, it's the same, s- thing, same, right? same uh, job. attitude. You show up on time, you work hard, you remain curious, uh, ask questions of the people that came before you, you know, that, that was part of it. Just like all these, these people that are a few years ahead of me, I should ask them questions about how, how. So you didn't walk into it after day one and say, I know everything there is to know. Remaining a little curious. And so attack it like you would any job. And that's uh, uh, something I learned early on. Just like go at it like a job, not in a way that's a drag, but just in a way that like you're taking it seriously. And so, you know, definitely learn that. Show up on time. Be courteous. Be nice. Be nice. That is a huge Uh, thing. Because so many people uh, expect everything to be handed to them or they come in acting like jerks and swinging their ding-dongs around. Don't care how good you are if you're coming in being an asshole. Like, (laughs) that's a turnoff. And and that's common sense. I mean, Right, but but it's not, though, is it? You know? Like, just, just... be humble, be curious, work hard. So that so that's an easy one. Anything I'd do different, um, maybe bring more money on tour. Have more have more money in the bank when you go on tour. <laughs> what what will go wrong will go wrong. Have a bank account at all, like when you go on tour. What? Uh, God, I remember. Yeah, being twenty years old and going on or twenty one or whatever, and like literally having like five dollars in my back wallet. And people be like. Uh, Will looks really, really skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I offered him food. He just, you know, no, but but you just, but yeah. <laughs> so have more money in the bank when you go on tour. That's be more prepared, maybe. Um, now, but but work hard, be nice, show up on time, yeah, and and remain curious, like I said, and ah, and just have fun. Have fun. I mean, it's it's the it's those things that seem like common sense. Yeah, have fun. But just do your thing, man. Do your thing. Do it for you, right? If yeah. if you're at least if you're making yourself happy, then like people will follow, right? Yeah. And like I said, keep making that frequency. Like keep ringing that bell. Like Conan O'Brien uh, talks about. He's like, if whether you're a stand-up comedian or you're an actor or whatever, you have a frequency. Like Andy Kaufman. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, you know Conan O'Brien himself. You know, like Daniel Johnston, the musician. He just kept ringing his bell mm-hmm. and kept ringing his bell sooner or later someone's yeah. going to tap into that frequency and go man this guy daniel johnston he writes these weird crazy songs i really like it actually um and so i've oh, boy, that's always resonated with me too like just keep doing your thing don't worry about what anyone else is doing yeah that's just huge. do your thing and do it for a long time keep at it yeah you know if, if there's anything i always thought man I'll, I'll if i have anything to my credit like is that i I've done it for a long time and I'm going to continue to do it for a yeah. long time and um, just keep ringing that bell. Nice. What about you, Joel? Be kind, uh, but don't let anybody shit on you. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of goes counter to what we'll, fu- we'll said a little bit, but money shouldn't be the measure of <laughs> success. <laughs> right. No, no, no. Like have some money. Yeah, go out with because, no money. I, yeah. But, who cares? but if you, if you, if you don't make any money, you play a great show and you get the, your cut from the door and it's disappointing. That doesn't mean you had a shitty show. That's very true. You still had a great show. Cause guess what? You come back next time. More people will be there. Yeah. Make more money that yeah. time. And if that show's shitty too, then come, you know, give every town 
three tri- three, three tries three, three tries yeah all yeah. right i was gonna say two but two yeah two will work maybe three it depends on how far away from home you are yes right, right? <laughs> joe 14 hours for this <laughs> yeah. fucking what show if, what if you're at the lime spider in akron ohio <laughs> How many times do you give that one chance oh, or two? Well, there's a, we don't have another hour to okay. talk about Lime Spider in Akron, Ohio, but yeah. And uh, thank you so much for thanks for, for being here, guys. It's yeah. I mean, again, we could talk forever on this stuff, and I think yes. uh, if can we you come back for episode 111, yes, episode 111. If we are still here, you can come back for that. <laughs> thank you, Mike Schultz, yeah. for always being a good sport. Yes, playing. Uh, Lots of great music. That's my advice musician. Is, is when a when a musician respect comes calling, clear your calendar. That's that's my that's my <laughs> advice because oh, you, you never know what it's going to lead to. You know, <laughs> you've been such a good sport, man. Hell yeah! And, uh, thank you for well, doing thank, this. yeah. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Joel. Thank Check you. them out. We'll put some links to the tunes. Check them out, and I would love to get some 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 of the current maybe hardcore generation into ten grand the Vita Blue. I mean. I, I don't know. I, I would love to see if it still resonates. It should, by well, all means, right? I'm trying to, I don't, the Spotify thing, I would love to get our stuff on Spotify. It's in kind of a purgatory at the moment between, you can find our stuff on YouTube. It's definitely, you can download it uh, on Apple, but I I don't want be people cool to, to have to pay for it. Don't pay for it. Just stream I would, it, right? I, I have nothing to gain. I would much prefer people <clears throat> to just hear it yeah. than to pay for it. Um, so... I don't know if anyone out there can help me uh, <laughs> set up an LLC to get our stuff uh, on Spotify. I would, uh, I would appreciate. Pay that. you in coffee. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been paid in coffee before. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. That is it for today. Let's go party. Yeah, yeah, party. This is a long distance mugging. Now we're treating this in clicks. It's when I 